The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and as always, I am so So delighted to have you join us today. Today we're going to talk about moving from suffering into joy. Uh, Sounds impossible, doesn't it? If you watch the news even once a day, whether it's local or national, you know that there's more than enough suffering to go around. The daily reports of shootings, stabbings, bombings, child abuse, child molestation, rape, robbery, and all those things is literally endless. If you pick just one incident that you hear about and look what it's done to the lives of the people involved, just one, you get a glimmer of understanding of the vastness of suffering in today's society. We hear about the incident and then we go on about our lives as if nothing happened. Few of us can say that we have escaped suffering altogether. I don't know of anyone who has. The question is, how do you get past it? How do you leave it in the past so you can not only get on with your life, but find joy? How do you use it so it even possibly makes you stronger? I have often quoted Rumi who says the soul is here for its own joy. How do we get past the trauma to find that joy? And we're going to talk about that today. Our guest, Lynn Cochran-Murphy, is an intuitive consultant specializing in helping people move forward on their spiritual path. Lynn received her bachelor's degree from the University of Nevada, master's degree from the University of Oregon, and her doctorate from Arizona State University. She is a certified Theta healer and instructor, a certified Access Consciousness Bars healer and instructor, a channel, a licensed substance abuse counselor, adjunct university professor, meditation instructor, and a best-selling author. And I can't wait to find out what she does in her spare time. (laughs) She recently released her second book, Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind, which describes the trauma of her childhood and how she moved beyond the dysfunction and events of her past 
to live a life of joy that she has today. It is such an honor for me to welcome to the Self-Improvement Show, Lynn Cochran-Murphy. Lynn, welcome. Hi, Irene. Thank you so much. That was a lovely introduction. And oh, love- you've done so much. Oh, <laughs> when I love the things that you said before that, the, the part of the intro for your whole show. What a positive, I, you know, it's the kind of show I would listen to. So I'm, I'm glad oh. to be connected with you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know, we, we try. Uh, we're on the same page, just to say we're mm-hmm. on the same page. Now, I always start with this question. Some people hate it, some don't. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Who is Lynn Cochran Murphy? I really think of myself as a teacher, not just because I taught school for all those years, but because today the thing that gives me the most joy is when I get to share with individuals who come and want to learn healing modalities, um, who want to open themselves to the vastness of what is um, source and to connect with that. That feels like the best thing in the world, and that's what I get to do today. So that's mostly it, that I see myself as a teacher. Um, All those things that you said it's interesting. Those are things that I've done. Um, but who I am is a, a seeker and a lover of God. Ah, yes. Yes, I don't usually get that good kind of answer. <laughs> I'm delighted. Well, you know, and it took me a long time to get comfortable with saying that I'm a lover of God or um, those kinds of things. But really, it's the thing that has given me the greatest happiness in my life is that connection. And, anytime and, and some it's, people look at you like you're weird, but it's true. It, and, and why are we so reluctant to say it? And I don't know. There's a lot of stigma about, uh, well, particularly about religion. But, um, you know, it's taking that feeling of not fitting in as a kid and as an adult embracing it and going, yeah, I am yeah. different. Yeah, I like thank it. goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be different. I'm not like anybody else on the planet. How right. can I be? No. Now, you founded Desert Jewel Institute. Tell us what that is. What do you do at Desert Jewel Institute? Um, it is a combination of offering services to clients where they have they have a range of choices, and I'll go over that in a second, and then offering classes. So the services that I offer is running um, people's bars through the system called Access Bars. There's, um, there's an energetic facelift that we do that people just love that. And then there's trauma work, trauma healing work. There also is theta healing sessions, which are, um, it's a combination of, reminds me of a bit of counseling work that I've done, um, along with prayer work and then going for higher guidance for the whole thing. But it's very interactive with the client, where Access Bars is very relaxed and passive. People fall asleep. I want to talk a little bit more about each of those because I, you know, some of them may not be modalities that are familiar to no, the audience. No, they're newer. Mm-hmm. Like um, the last 25 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> um who can use your services? Are they local, or do you work by phone or Skype? How, how, how do, and how do people find you? Um, 
There are several services that I can do over the phone. The rest I do in person. So Theta Healing, Intuited Readings, things like that can be done over the phone or Skype. And it works really well. It's, it's amazing to me. Then um, Access Bars, the facelift, the trauma work can only be done in person, hands-on. Um, to reach me, go through my website, desertjewel.org. And that's my business website, and it has a contact page and information and when the classes are and what my services are, what the prices are, and all of that. And your prices, really, in the scheme of things, are really quite reasonable. Thank you. I try to keep them that way that, you know, some cost a little more than others, but um, you make it so it works for people, too. Yes, if nobody can afford your services, then it doesn't do anybody any good. But yours are affordable, and thank you. you know, there's a wide enough range that people can find help with you, and that's that's the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more. Tell us what the access bars are. What do you do with that, and what can you learn from that uh, for the the for your client? With access bars, it's um, They recline on a zero-gravity chair or on a massage table. And there are 32 points on the head that um, I touch in succession, um, holding each one maybe five minutes. So it's about an hour treatment. And it uh, it was created by um, Gary Douglas of Access Consciousness. He was out of California at that time. So it's a healing modality that apparently we already have the connectivity for it in our bodies, and it's a method to release thousands of years worth of beliefs, programming, um, things that just don't really service anymore. The kinds of things where um, uh, it's like I bought the package and I believed it was so-and-so, and then later on I realized it was an illusion and I let it go. So it's kind of a process like that. It just doesn't require talking. Um, We have the client set intention for what they might like to receive. We might do some clearing statements for them, Um, but it's a very natural, gentle process that occurs um, as if by magic, and people walk away feeling lighter, clearer, and rested. I think I need to go and see you. Yeah, they like that. People need it. Oh, yeah, I like that. Tell us a little more about Theta Healing. To me, Theta talks about meditation or hypnosis. So, you know, what what do you do with Theta Healing? Theta is, um, it's the brainwave state, right? Right. Where it's a little slower. It's similar to being asleep, except for we go into that state consciously. Um, It's also the state that advanced meditators, like monks who've meditated for decades, that's the level they go to. So that's what I teach people how to do, and that's what I use in my work. Go to that state. uh, We identify the problems, like beliefs that don't serve you any longer, or ancestral or historical things from your history that um, we can remove. It involves prayer, but most of the prayer is silent. It's quick. And we also offer downloads that um, mm. through the Theta State, I can hear the downloads and, and tell people what they are, and they can accept them or not. And Creator does the work. I love it. it and you creator. can hear actually what's coming. You, you can get that. 
Yeah, right. I, I tell the client the whole time what's going on so that it's all, um, you know, it's all things that they say yes to or, or not. Um, it was created by Viana Stibble. She teaches classes all over the world, and um, I've gone to her for training, the teacher training. So I teach three classes, the basic theta, the advanced theta, and the... Um, Manifesting an Abundance Data Healing Course. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, people like it. Good one. You also do readings, and you do angel readings, as I understand it. Um, Do you do readings just for readings or also readings for healing? Um, All of the above. All of the above. In Data Healing, they teach us to do a body scan and look within the body and um, we'll either see things literally or we'll see them symbolically, and then I can work with the person that way. My body also tells me what's going on with the person, like um, sometimes in a session I'll feel an ache in my heart or a fogginess in my brain, and I'll ask the person about that, and often they know what I'm talking about. And then it moves the session forward, and we can heal that area, whatever that was. I see dramatic changes in people's lives when they come to see me, that they'll change careers, they'll change jobs, they'll change things in their marriage. Um, it's, it's pretty dramatic at times. They surprise me because I don't sit here going, well, you should change your marriage. What happens no. is they'll go, well, what about my marriage? And I'll say, well, talk to me about it. What's on your mind? And we'll go there and things just start, start shifting as we do the work. Yeah, as we heal, a lot of things change. Mm. Yeah, and we, you know, as we progress, sometimes if you take a look back, you're surprised at how far you've come because it seems so subtle at the time. Well, yeah. and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is that I knew I had this dramatic early part of my life, but then as you know today. My life is so different. So it really helped to put it down on paper and go, my goodness, you have changed so much. One more thing before we really get into your story, and that's your your workshops. You teach seven steps to leaving suffering behind as a workshop. Um, I do. It's a three-day workshop. The next one will be in June. It is... um, it's based upon the book. And so I walk people through the, um, a, a meditation in each one and the, some of the activities that I've done over the last 30 years that I talk about in the book and um, let people discover what they will about themselves. So it's a, what I've seen with clients is they learn more about themselves and then they get those aha moments and they walk out with more tools and a little more certainty about who they are in the world. And tools, we all need tools. Is um, that workshop here in Phoenix? I know you're in the Phoenix area where I am. Uh, yes. Are those here? That one is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I teach that in the Theta Healing and the Access Bars here in Phoenix. Um, the other workshop shop that I have starting in June on Tuesday mornings is um, Receiving Higher Guidance. Ah, uh, nice. Uh-huh, because people... People pay other people to tell them what, what source would have them know or their angels would have them know or their guides. And if I can learn how to do it myself, so can others. And, I'm, and that's what that class is all about. It'll be six weeks. 
And um, it's to experience that, discuss it, and raise our vibrations and do more of that. And on that note, we're going to take a break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Lynn Cochran Murphy, saying stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Lynn Cochran Murphy. We're talking about... Moving out of suffering into joy, something we all want. Lynn, you've written a book about this. Tell us your story. You know, what did you encounter during your life, and it was, it was vast, um, that took you through so much suffering and led you to write the book? The book starts, the very first chapter starts with a house fire that I survived at age two and a half that took my father and sisters and, of course, impacted my whole family from there on. My mother was not in the fire, um, but, of course, her life changed from there, from there on. I lived in the hospital for a while, and um, no one in my family can tell me how long. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh-huh. That is interesting. Must have been, I mean, burns are difficult to treat, and back in those days, even more so. Right, yeah. I've done a lot of regression work and and, um, meditated on a lot of it to to understand better what happened, because, you know, I don't have any regular memory of it. Um, And it's been so, so intriguing in that... um, my spirit went far, far away and didn't want to return. And there was a nun who used to who sang to me while I um, laid in whatever kind of bed that was. And 
um, called My Spirit Back. It's very, very interesting oh. to me. Yeah, what a lovely human being. Um, so, and I think another important feature is that my father saved my life. He carried me out of the house, and I was found on the lawn in front of the house while he went back in to get my sister's. So, and he didn't make it. No, he didn't. He died in the hospital. The girls died in the house. Um, but it set up an interesting dynamic, and, and it was about sacrifice, people who choose to sacrifice on behalf of others. So that was an important theme in my life. Um, so mom remarried when I was four. They had my sister, who is a wonderful human being that I'm really glad to have in my life. Um, that stepdad died when I was nine in an accident. Um, I talk about that, about the suspiciousness of the accident and things like that in the book. I talk about the abuse that started at age six in the book. Um, Mom remarried when I was about ten, a man who had an alcohol problem. My mother also developed a serious alcohol problem, and... At that point, we moved from California to Nevada, and Nevada's a unique kind of place, you know, because of the gambling, the alcohol, the very unique, and I, I was raised within the influence of that, and um, I don't, wasn't a very good influence. Um, <laughs> it rarely is. It rarely is. Right. So, um, I think what changed, though, in my teens was going from having been abused to being abusive towards myself, uh, not having self-love, um, having more self-loathing. And then, um, let's see, when I was 17, I got married to get out of my parents' house. That marriage, of course, didn't last very long, but it served its purpose. I needed to get away from my parents, and they're, they're fighting the, you know, their downward spiral. At, so I, and then I went on to college, and at 25, I moved away, and um, within a year, my parents had bought a bar, a tavern kind of place, a neighborhood place, and um, God, within like two months, it was robbed. My mother was killed. My stepfather mm. died about two years later mostly from survivor's guilt, but also from health conditions. So that is like the drama of my life compacted into a Wow. Yeah. Did Um, you ever in that time, and I don't know even how to ask questions, but did you ever feel that anybody really loved you? Did anybody ever make you feel that you were good enough? You know, I I know you had burns. What did that do to make you feel not like you didn't look okay? Was that a factor in there? All kinds of things had to be going on in your poor little life. Did anybody cuddle you, love you, you know, talk to you about all this, try to explain some of it so you could understand? What was all that like as a little girl? Well, you know, I think my grandmother, my paternal grandmother did a lot for me. And I talk about her in the book and some of the things that she said that really made a difference. Because later on, I remember in fifth grade, some boy saying something about being a burnt pig. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's something wrong with being burnt and having scars? (laughs) Yeah. What's wrong with you? And um, the being 
the big part in you know the beginning of of having an eating disorder um, that part triggered me, but the burnt part i 'm like god what 's wrong with you so um, she she did a lot for me that my this grandmother um, so that I became more resilient because of her. I do believe. Wonderful gift from your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Something um, in the beginning of that, that, that there are people who choose to sacrifice. When does that choosing happen? You know, is that a, before we come into this, you know, earth time that in, we choose? In Theta Healing, it, it would be taught as more of a... Um, an ancestral program that you have in your genetics, and and then we work to change that, and we've changed it for me that that is not how I proceed in life. It's so that you have a matter of choice versus that you have to sacrifice. It's a matter of choice. You can do something, but you don't have to put your life on the line. Um, and I like having a choice versus. Um, having to proceed without knowing why. Oh, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you equate suffering with sacrifice? Uh, Are they used interchangeably? Um, I don't think so. Um, I see sacrifice as something that people do for a variety of reasons. Usually it's pretty ingrained to do that, Um, like for my father to go into the house to get my sisters out and to do that to the point where his body couldn't be saved. Um, You know, and you can read about people who do amazing things when they see something like a house fire, even rescuing animals. I mean, look at what our firefighters do. Amazing beings. Every day, every day, yes. Um. So I see that as sacrifice. Suffering, suffering can be as simple as um, I don't like my boss and I don't make enough money and I make myself miserable because of that. Okay, so my yeah. Thinking can just create suffering. Or that um, uh, dad liked my brother better than me and so therefore I'm unhappy most of my life. So... That's the kind of suffering that um, it still takes work to overcome. It's funny how big those little things can be for a person's mind. Oh, they can be huge. I know several people who are struggling with things like that, and their rational mind says, you know, this is not a big deal, but inside they're in such turmoil, such pain. Mm -hmm. As I read through your book, I had to keep thinking about this quote from Nietzsche, that which does not kill us makes makes us stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with him on that? And, and you know, how, how did it make you stronger? You know, I don't know exactly how it is that that happens, you know, but when I look at the things that occurred in my life, um, if I had continued in the victim thinking that I had as a teenager, it it wouldn't have made me stronger. It would have destroyed me. But I chose to follow a spiritual path, and I took everything that happened and created purpose and meaning out of it. So my life is full of meaning. 
if I had got, you know, stayed with that other kind of thinking, it could have broken me. So my, the first book that I wrote was my dissertation, which is um, part autobiography and part the research that came from it. It's called Stronger at the Broken Places. Because I did relate to that statement that because of everything that happened, I'm quite strong. But I don't, I don't know if it's because of what happened or because of how I decided to deal with it. And, and that brings up a question that I've asked a number of times. You know, two, two children come from the same family. One develops a resilience and an ability to deal with it. The other one simply can't. And yet they have the same pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. But they go totally different ways in their reaction to the suffering. Did you come to any insights on that as you wrote this dissertation, wrote this book? You know, so many factors are involved. Birth order is a huge factor in itself. Um, whether how the family treats each child in the family, you know, if uh, if someone's a scapegoat, just how bad does that get? And then because I believe in reincarnation, there's the influence of all the other lives that you've had with those people, and then there's the karma that you bring in with you. So I think that there are lots and lots of factors that go into that, but I think it's also very interesting that someone wrote a book on that uh, titled something like um, Same Family, Different Lives, that you can grow up in the same household and have such a different take on what happened, because it's through an interpretive lens, of course. And some of us, as parents, when my, you know, my first boy was so incredibly fun, I mean, he was just such an easy child. And I thought, boy, two will be even more fun. My second one is totally different. Totally uh-huh. different child. And, and, you know, almost an opposite in everything. And, and I wasn't prepared for that. I thought, well, everything they get is pretty much the same. But they didn't react to it in any two ways alike ever. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting so tightrope. That's where we get responsibility for who we are. That we can take the same situation, the same parenting, and respond to it differently because of who we are. It's kind of an amazing way that it works to me. It is, it is amazing. It, it's just fascinating, actually. How, you talked about getting on a spiritual path. How did you get on a spiritual path as a teenager when your self-image, I'm assuming, was anything but great? Yeah. I think that's a really important part that I hopefully explain well in the book, that the message my family gave me was, let us take you to church. It's important that you know about this, but we're not going to stay and go to church with you. We're going to drop you off. You got that too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, mine dropped me off too. And then I got the, the message that they were probably going to the bar. You know, that maybe mom was doing laundry, but while she was doing the laundry, she was at the bar. So um, I was shown something that um, was supposed to be important and would work for me, but I didn't see my family using it for themselves. And so I, you know, the hypocrisy of that, of course, created a problem for me. So when, as I became a teenager, I started questioning, and that's something I encourage in the book is questioning. Um, 
why is it that you tell me to do this and you don't use it yourself? What works? If you were raised in this Christian belief system, why are you so unhappy? It's not working for you. So when I had the opportunity to study Buddhism, I did. And that's where I started getting my answers, particularly when they taught about the law of cause and effect, which is the foundation of what is karma. That made the world make sense to me, that there was this law, just like the law of gravity or the the law of magnetism. Um, That law is what put all these things into place that made it so that um, I walked into a life with 25 years of tragedy. I lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's okay. I do that myself. We're talking about the law of cause and effect, and I'm thinking that as a teenager, that and I don't know where you grew up, uh, but Christian influence was pretty strong in Uh the days you grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, I never, until I was an adult, met a Buddhist. Um, They just weren't around. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you come to know a Buddhist when probably you really had, you must have had to search them out? You know, I do not remember how I connected with them. I think that they're... Actually, we're led where we need to go, aren't we? Right, right, because I don't remember exactly how it happened. But eventually, um, when I was about 19, I moved into the Buddhist chapter house so I could really study with them and practice that. And... um it was it, anyway, so I did that, and I learned and learned and learned. So I think that seeker nature, um, that desire to question and find out what does work, was really a strong part of me. And so I went after where are those answers, and then after that, I started studying with some metaphysical people in the in the Reno area, and. Um, then they created a commune in Oregon, and I moved into that. It was metaphysical <sighs> Christian. So, um, and and there was some of the, um, what do you call that influence? It was the Foursquare Church. So it was very, you know, laying on of the hands, speaking of tongues, the Holy Spirit. I was exposed to all of that, but it was a me- metaphysical group. So we were meditators. And there was a channel in the group who, a trans channel. So it was, it was a great experience. I lived with them for several years and really grew. It sounds like something most of us would really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was good. You know, you had to live according to the rules that work for the group. But then that, you know, there was a greatness in that because I learned to think about others besides myself. And that's a nice thing to grow up with. And then you struck out for college, and you know, reading the book, I'm thinking, how on earth did she do all that at one time? What were you so busy at that point, deliberately busy, so that you didn't have to reflect on all the rest of the stuff? Oh, yes, very good point. Um, you know, there's a way to react to life that is by overdoing, staying busy, and not feeling your feelings. And that was part of what I was doing. But I was also trying to prove that my life was worth saving. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, 
you know, like earning, earning that. So I had to get good grades. You know, I had to be a good employee. I had to be a good daughter. I had... And you had to excel in class. You had to, had to, had to, didn't you? Um, eventually, I did the, the inner work to release that. But I didn't have to earn it. It was a gift. So I could be more at peace and enjoy life a little more. So that... Yeah. Let me ask you on that. On that, no. Let me so I could enjoy life a little more. Had you enjoyed life up until then? Not much. No. Uh-uh. <sighs> Not much. No, but because it was because it was painful, and and I felt like a victim. But after, you know, with with um, getting involved in religion, going to some therapists. And so on. It started lightning, lightning, lightning to where I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. I can get through this. And eventually I was able to even look at myself and say, you know, you're burying yourself in your work. Um, I, uh, you could see workaholism in me at a couple points. Um, you know, let's do more work so you can have a healthier life. You know, because you don't want to be, if, if your relatives were alcoholics, do you want to be a version of a different addiction, or do you want to be something healthier? On Pretty that good. question, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk okay. to more about it. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Lynn Cochran-Murphy, saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more, and you don't want to miss it. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Lynn Cochran-Murphy. We're talking about how you go from suffering 
into joy. And Lynn, it was really a long, hard row for you, but you began to turn it around. It was interesting to me that, and I get this, I know it wasn't simultaneously, but you began to realize that you were just working yourself to death. You were into a form of addiction called workaholics instead of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you began to realize that this could lead you into trouble. And at the same time, you began to learn to love yourself. Did that all kind of go together? It, it seemed to me that it did. I think that, you know, learning to love yourself is really a gradual process. It's something I still address today. I think, that, yeah, we all do. Right, right. That it's, you know, little things will creep up and you'll you'll say, well, wait a minute. Or someone will say to me, wait a minute, you're not being kind to yourself. And so I can look at that and see what I'd like to address. I, and I'll use data healing to move forward with things like that. How important do you think self-love is in the healing process? And how do you help somebody go about learning to love herself or himself? Sometimes I encourage people to look at themselves as if they were someone else. So if I were advising a young woman, what would I tell her? How would I treat her? And can we do that for ourselves? So if there was um, a young woman that I thought was, was lovely and needed, needed love, then I would encourage her to do self-loving things, treat ourselves that way. So it can be, there are all kinds of easy things to do for oneself that are kindness. Instead of drinking wine, I can drink bubbling water. Instead of um, rushing through a shower in the morning, I can take a leisurely bath and put nice smelly things in it. You know, those are ways to nurture and love me. Be like a parent, a loving parent to me. Nice. I, the, the, the poem of John Donne comes to my mind, and he said, Would the gift, the gift he give us to see ourselves as others see us? Mm. And most people take that to mean, you know, be a critic, be, you know, critique yourself, see what's all wrong with you like other people do. But I don't see it that way. I, I see it, you know, see yourself as beautiful like other people see you mm-hmm. or are wise or whatever it is. In the Access Consciousness program, they encourage us to ask ourselves, what is right about me that I'm not getting? It's a yes. lot different than being a critic. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I'm one of my gauges of whether I'm in a place that I'm hard on myself is when I drop something and break it or when I do mm-hmm. some real big boo-boo what do I say to myself right and do I say oh how can you be so stupid or how can you be so clumsy uh, and I still you know I still do that I, I think that's really human but you know there are better ways to oh, do yeah. <laughs> like what would you say to a child at that moment like oh let me help you with that or don't worry it's only a glass they're replaceable it's, it's or, only stuff yeah you're yeah. more important than stuff. That's so true. You know, but most of the time we lose it and say, do you know that was my favorite dish? Or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Poor kids. It's a wonder, <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonder any of them make it. Um, no one can say that you've led an easy life. Um, you, you had some good stuff in there and you had some real tough stuff in there. If you could have a do-over, what would you change? 
that's a that's a question. question. Um, I guess would you change anything? I guess I would have um, created my awareness of source earlier on. That it's through that connection with source, my, basically what I call God. Um, that I get all the nurturing that I need and the nourishment and the trust and I get taken care of and I can see miracles in my path. And I think I would have opened my eyes to that sooner so there wouldn't have been quite so much suffering in my teen years. Could you have done that back then with the awareness that you had at the time? Would you have known that that's what you needed? And it's always a question I fight with. Oh, was I, would I have been ready at that time? Was it perfect timing when I got to that? Yeah, yeah that's a really good question, too. Um, I don't know that I would have developed the way that I did. I mean, there's beauty in, in how we evolve and open and grow over time. I think what's important, though, is even with all the events and the suffering, I don't know that I would have changed any of that. It all had purpose. I'm glad it's done with. Um, I'm glad I get to be who I am now and have the life that I have now. Um, but it all it all had a purpose. It, it always, as, as you look back, it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle. And all mm. the pieces fit, but they're in different places when you're looking for them. You can't always find that piece. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I... Life is pretty complicated. You know, it helps to write a book. It makes you really look at it. And that, that's another question. What did you learn from writing this book? And do you recommend to other people they write their story so they can get the pieces to fit? I actually see autobiography as a, a healing tool. Um, I had done that back with my dissertation in 2000. So it, I'd done a lot of the process then. This time was just another level of that, just not as deep. Um, yeah, it really it puts things into perspective. It changes our perspective, and that's always a good thing. It expands it. Um, for me, I was looking for meaning, and I was able to talk about that in the book. So absolutely, it's a good tool, just like journaling is, and I, I list those in there, some of the tools that people ought, ought to check out. And if people get your book, and I really recommend that they get your book, and they go to the back, you have a wonderful checklist mm. of things to do. And, and you know, some of them, you know, they're, they're all like old friends to me, but it mm. was nice seeing them again. Some of them I'd kind of pushed back on the shelf and forgot I had. It was an, a nice, nice review for me. Well, and I put that in because so many people in our country are depressed. We have so many people on depression medication that for the, for people in that kind of a predicament or with PTSD, just doing one little thing a day means that you're making progress and you're moving forward. And that's what that list is about is do one thing, pat yourself on the back. And what can you do day, for people who have PS? Well, now I can't even say it. PTSD. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, we do trauma work to heal the trauma. Um, we, I encourage people to talk about it to whatever degree they're comfortable and um, 
pull the beliefs about, you know, it's my fault or if only. Um, let creator pull those beliefs and then downloads about safety, security, and well-being today. That, that, and that's exactly what they need is feelings of safety and security today. Right, and to know that this is now. I'm living in the now, and to have practices to keep you living in the now so that our minds don't keep going back to the past and re-experiencing that. Oh, they, their minds really want to dredge it all back up, don't they? Our minds do that, yes. <laughs> Who would benefit the most from reading your book, and where can they find it? Anyone who has... Um, Experience suffering in life, whether it's at the hands of another person or through their own thinking or just at the hands of life because life happens and sometimes it's pretty rough. So um, a person with depression also, uh, people that are curious about the metaphysical, people who, um, that, well, and let me switch gears to where to find it. There are a couple places. You can go through Amazon and buy it on Kindle or in a paperback. Or you can go through my website that's created just for the book, and it's lynncockrummurphy.com. And Lynn is L-Y-N-N-E. Cockrum is C-O-C-K-R-U-M hyphen Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y, dot com. So either of those sources will get them there. And um, hopefully... But, you know, they should write me a review on Goodreads or on Amazon so I know what they think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, That's I'm always, always curious helpful. to see what how it affects people. I, I had one gentleman write to me and tell me how it, it really helped him move forward. Well, that's always wonderful. Yay. One more question. What's your life like today? Oh, today? Yeah. I have a Tell us about the joy. Yeah, I have a wonderful marriage of 31 years. And, um, you know, I get to connect with family in a way that um, really feels good. I know that they love and support me, even though they know I'm different. You know, I'm the only one in the family who does readings, for instance. And yet they're okay with that. Um, I get to have, I teach healing to adults and children. And that feels like a great gift. I still work for the university part-time. I teach people how to become teachers, not just skilled teachers, but compassionate, skilled teachers. So it's really good stuff. And I don't know. We we travel some. I work some. But my work is like, why would I call it work? (laughs) I understand that. Let me ask you this. When along this torturous trip... Did you discover that you were so intuitive? How did you know that you had that gift? I didn't know until probably five years ago. I had had um, a couple of people, a couple of friends come to me and ask me things, and I said, do you think I'm intuitive? And they're like, yeah, of course. And my husband told me that I was, but I didn't really get it until I really, um, until I got into theta healing and then just found that I learned and grew really fast. And it was easier for me than a lot of people in the classes, even easier than for some of my teachers. So it just, it just is. And then I could look back at earlier years of my life and go, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, right. 
And you do readings for people. I, I know that you do that. Mm-hmm. I do that. I can get messages from family. I can get messages from from creator and talk to them from that place. Their bodies talk to me. Yes, all of that. You know, it's always amazing to me when people who do readings can be so incredibly accurate. It is amazing. I agree. You know, I've had a number of psychics on the show, and, uh, you know, it's it's always fascinating to me. I'm not that intuitive around the edges, but not, you know, certainly not to the point that I could do a reading. And when they are so spot on, I want to say, hey, everybody, do you get it? You know, some people can, can tell you things that are absolutely right on. Why aren't you getting it? You know, it's, it's amazing to me that there's still so many skeptics out there. Right. The um, Theta Healing class, we teach people within two days how to do readings. It, uh, it, and that opens up for people really fast after that, depending on how much they practice it. But it, we all have that ability. It's just whether or not you want to put your attention there and, and make it grow. Yeah, we have the tools, but you have to open the toolbox. There you go. Yeah, I don't. That's an interesting thought. I had not. That was not something that I planned ahead. But we just need to open up the toolbox. We are are coming right up to the end of this show, Lynn. It's been so great having you on. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I think two things. One is I talk a lot in the book about things that you can do to make yourself happier. And I encourage people to to check it out and to try some of that, that we certainly can be happier. And secondly, that I see everyone, everyone that's listening, and you and me, as beings of light, beings of consciousness, and that we're wearing bodies, and we might think we're something else, but I see us as little bits of God. And I would want people to know that it's a matter of an unmasking it and coming to realization that we are the same energy as that great thing that we worship. Oh, what a lovely thought. Now, in the beginning, there was only energy. Yes. And everything that was made was made out of that energy. So what does that mean? We're right. the same and We energy. see ourselves as separate, but we are not. We are we not. Are mm-hmm. Lynn, thank you so much for being with us today. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it, and I know our listeners have as well. Thank you, too. It was very enjoyable for me. I appreciate it. Everybody, get her book, Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind. Truly, you can leave it behind and come into the kind of joy that Lynn is experiencing in her life now. This is Irene Conlon and my guest Lynn Cockrum Murphy saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.